left side ball up and caught. Is it inbounds? Yes! Touchdown Titans! Johnu Smith tips it to himself! What a play! Fumbles, ball is loose, there's a fight for it. Titan ball! Casey got it out! And Big Jeff at the bottom of the pile starts wrestling a raven and he wins! Hey, 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 what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Titans Beat with the Say It Again Network. Um, you probably recognize my voice by now, but it is Anna Lewis. Y'all can find me on Twitter at Anna Lewis SIA. Um, and today I'm actually joined by my buddy Trey Wynn. Today we, uh, my, my co-hosts have been traveling a lot, so hopefully we'll get them back next week. But um, Joe actually went up to New York for the game, and I think he's still recovering. I bet and, he um, is. <laughs> and Albert is down in Florida on vacation. So uh, we're definitely going to get those guys back in here, hopefully later this week or next week. But, Trey, I appreciate you coming and talking football with me for a little bit today so we can get some content, you know, day after a tough loss. Yeah. Definitely want to get your thoughts. And um, why don't you tell everybody – who you are, what you're about, and um, anything else you want to plug. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, Anna and I have actually more recently kind of become Twitter associates, I guess. And <laughs> and now we have an exclusive uh, Titans chat that is invite only. Uh, it's actually right. increasing by qu- in quality by the day, I think. Um, I no, I, uh, I started a podcast group called uh, Chat 10 Sports and still figuring some of that stuff out. But uh, it's good to be back with the Obviously, the Titans in season now, um, like you yeah. said, still a hangover after this is deja vu from week one. I mean, it's almost yeah. identical because obviously the, the, the cards uh, a little bit more as far as what you'd expect out of them. The Jets, not so much. I will go ahead and put my name out there as one of those that were saying this is a bye week. Rest AJ, rest Julio. Let let the guys get healthy as much as we can. Obviously, Everybody was reading our own press, including Lawan and a lot of the offensive line, but we'll, I'm sure we'll get to all that. But but no, thank you yeah. for having me. I'm on Twitter as well. You can find me at Trey Wynn. It's T-R-E-S-W-I-N-N. Yeah. Well, I, again, appreciate you coming on. And I, I was the same way. I kind of – I approached this week not as – I don't want to call it a bye week, but it felt that way. It definitely felt like, you know, we know – Julio was coming in on a managed workload. We know Bud Dupree was coming on a managed workload because they're older guys and they're coming off injuries. So this was definitely a week that I was like, please don't waste them. Don't do that because I'd hate for one of them to get hurt in a game like that. But yesterday we definitely could have used one or both of them. Um, And AJ too, you know, they haven't shared a lot of details about what's going on with AJ and I respect that. Mm -hmm. But I'm definitely curious to see how long he's going to be out because they call him week by week. But um, you wonder after yesterday – are they going to say, okay, AJ, you have to play in Jacksonville? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And it's, it's to me, it's one of those things that's always been Vrabel's thing. It's very Belichickian of him to keep that information yeah. on the down low. But at the same time, like, and, and several outlets have been saying this, but the Jets secondary did not give a damn about Derrick Henry even getting outside. Mm-hmm. They contained him pretty well. For some reason, Todd Downing still wants to try and run him inside the tackles. And we've seen it week after week. And especially if you're, with friends or at a watch party like we are down here in Chattanooga, like run the ball on the outside of Lawan screens, slants. And I swear we got a few, you know, McNichols having yeah. a great day. Um, yep. But still leaving you kind of scratching your head, especially with Downing kind of still getting, I don't know how much he's getting accustomed to this offense because it seems very similar to what he did in, in Oakland at the time with the Raiders. Right. Uh, so we'll talk, well, I'm sure we'll talk more about yeah. coaches and all that stuff later, but. 
Yeah. So just to give y'all a heads up what we're going to talk about today, we're going to, of course, break down our thoughts from yesterday, the biggest issues. Um, there were some positives, in my opinion. You've got to take the negatives and the positives from every game because every every week is a learning opportunity. And, you know, they did some things well. And I'm going to acknowledge that. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. you are too, Trey. I think mm-hmm. you don't have a problem doing that. And then we'll talk a little bit more about um, some coaching things. Um, I, y'all know I have that perspective of working on a coaching staff. And I actually coached a, a defense that tried both a three, four and a four, three in the same season. So um, I definitely want to talk about that and see if that's even, you know, something that would make some of our guys look a little bit better. And then we'll wrap it up and, and preview a little bit of next week, but really just kind of want to sulk today <laughs> about <laughs> yesterday. It's very um, easy to do today after a, a game like that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was definitely frustrating. Um, I did just before I forget, I was talking to my mom earlier today and my mom, like, I know I don't ever talk about my parents on my podcast, <laughs> but my dad loves the Titans. My mom does not give a shit, mm-hmm. but she was like, she saw Derek Henry's numbers for the year and for yesterday. And she was like, you know, that scene in Waterboy where the coach is like, Bobby can't do this on his own. And then he turns around, Bobby, you got to do this on your own. She's <laughs> like, I think of Derek Henry every time I see that. That's actually so. that's actually a good topic to bring up, I think, as far as just the initial interaction or reaction to to yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim White's put down a lot of stats that we've seen as far as where he's pacing right now compared to 2020. I think he's right. on track to do 2,500 yards and, you know, just solidify wow. himself uh, as far as a, I mean, potentially one of the best running backs as he gets better with receiving and catching the ball. Um, right. I mean, it, it, he's becoming more and more of a complete back. Asterisks next to that because so many carries. I actually put some money down on him getting 30 plus carries and also 32 plus carries, which he did hit in overtime. Thank God. Um, <laughs> but you got to wonder like, everyone keeps bringing up, you know, third and shorts. And then obviously the fourth down plays of him coming off the field. Like, there's a bit of a catch 22 with, with what he's able to do as much as he's doing. And like you said, right. I mean, AJ and Julio, it's like, you know, <laughs> We, he can't do it all himself, but he he has been, uh, right. you know. And I think other holes, I think other holes were exposed. And Robert Selah, as, as the head coach for the Jets, defensive genius. I think he mm-hmm. he was one of my guys that, like Arthur Smith in the offseason, like want to see him get on a good team. Yeah, I was impressed by the Jets. I mean, Zach Wilson, I slept on him like I was in hibernation because obviously right. he's so young. Uh, sorry to be long-winded about it, but I, I think he moved so well out of the pocket. The defense played really well. Um, and then obviously, not to not to make him sound better than what he is, but Corey Davis had a great game. You know he wanted to have that win yesterday. Right. So, um, But yeah, I think overall, I think every one of us as Titans fans, every part of that coaching staff and that team slept on this team and expected an easy yeah. win. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that I was reading, it popped up on Twitter, so I don't know. I don't. I didn't fact check it. I'll be honest. I was very <laughs> emotional yesterday, and I was just liking stuff really angrily. Um, but somebody had tweeted about, you know, since the Jets are the Jets, you know, the 0-3 Jets, that's all we heard about. But we didn't hear about how solid their defense is. And some of the guys they have on that side of the ball, they definitely showed out yesterday. Um, they had a great opportunity, too, because we were missing key pieces. But at the same time, like, great athletes and great teams not saying the Jets are a great team so don't don't misquote that but great athletes take advantage of those opportunities even if it's like hey the two best receivers on the team aren't playing well yeah I want you to show them what you can do so I appreciate as somebody that just genuinely loves football I appreciated the Jets defense for stepping up the way they did but as a Titans fan I was very frustrated um 
let's talk about the O-line. Mm-hmm. I want to hear all your thoughts because you tweeted something very interesting today that started some conversations about somebody that, you know, he's kind of he who must not be named <laughs> over <laughs> here in Titans Twitter. Of Nashville. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I- Isaiah Wilson, I said last week, obviously, conversations of him being in Indianapolis for a workout. Obviously, he's since been picked up by the Giants. I am of the camp. Um kick the tires on a guy, bring him in for a workout. Obviously his Instagram post was floating around as far as his mental health, uh, excuse me, his mental health and his mental wellness being in a better place than what it was. There are so many things you can point to of saying that guy was not in a right space, emotionally, mentally, right. All of the first round picks, you know, baggage that can come with that, uh, that type of pick. Um, I'm not saying we give him a type of contract that's going to make him the starting right tackle today. Bring him in, work him out. Obviously, the guy from Austin P, who's been outside of the facility for the last what three weeks now, just yeah, begging, begging for an opportunity. At this point, Quisenberry, and we talked about this on a, on a space yesterday on Twitter, just about right. certain guys that John Robinson has brought in who are probably not Janoris. Jenkins, I'll call him Janoris now that everyone's not not willing to call him Jackrabbit. I, I would call him Jack Wagon for a little while, but um, but no, I mean, I, I think there are several guys, Questenberry, Jack Wagon, um, you know, other positional players that are being overextended because this rookie class and last year's draft class is still not fully developing and stepping into their roles. And right. I think you know, if Caleb Farley, everyone keeps saying it's kind of a lazy thing now. He's going to be the Jeff Simmons of this class. It's like. We can't keep expecting these guys to bounce back like Jeff Simmons has. Right. Of course, yesterday, Jeff was kind of quiet, which I think any team's going to double team him and keep him at bay yeah. because he's Jeff Simmons. But um, right. but no, I, I just think overall offensive line, Ben Jones is getting up there. I think the depth is a huge issue as far as Brewer coming in. And he's that guy, if it's right or left guard or center, he is the first guy up, which – you love to have that type of versatility, but Raiden's, I mean, huge question mark. I mean, every single right. week he's not even dressing. So what were your thoughts as far as offensive line play? Cause I didn't even, I didn't, I didn't mention dad on the left-hand side. So, I, uh, right. yeah, plenty, plenty to discuss there for sure. Yeah. It's so, so frustrating. Um, because I think a lot of people overlook, I don't think they are now, but overlook the importance of the offensive line. I think the offensive lineman is the most underrated position on the field. I think the trenches are incredibly underrated with how much that can impact the game. That's why I love it. Um, but yesterday was just infuriating to watch because it looks like there's no communication. They look so out of sync. And like, you know, Taylor Lewan is a great left tackle. You know, Roger Saffold is a great lineman as well. You know, Ben Jones is effective. So seeing all three of those guys struggle against the Jets it was like what's going on you know and they are all getting a little bit older um which I know that's another position that they can play up until you know mid-30s and and do all right but I don't I I mean I'll be honest I love Taylor Lewan I love the persona that he puts on I love the big personality I think that's fun and it's really awesome to have guys on the team like that because they are professional athletes as part of the gig but at the same time, if you are going to put that out there, you got to be able to take heat and you got to be able to back it up. Yeah. And I think this injury probably impacted him more than he realized because um, every time he's gone down, he's grabbing his knee. Mm-hmm. So 
It's like, are you grabbing your knee because it actually hurts? Are you grabbing your knee so that you get sympathy or what? I, I mean, none of us know, but that's been frustrating because he is, I'm like a mom, you know, I'm like, I see all your potential. Just be mm-hmm. great. And that's just like part of who, who I am. So that's the way I look at him. But um, the pity party last week, I'm not a fan of that. Yeah. You know, it, you get paid to come out here and produce. So you're not producing the team's not, or the team wasn't producing in week one and they definitely didn't produce yesterday. Y'all are going to get booed. That's part of the gig. Um, So I'm frustrated with him. I don't, I honestly wasn't paying enough attention to Roger Saffold to really have that many thoughts on him. Um, But he makes me nervous sometimes, but I also know that he's great. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we have a lot of that. We have, I know they're great, but y'all are making me really nervous and you can't have, two guys that are in that shape and then not have any depth. So having three guys yesterday on the offensive line get taken off the field because there was some sort of injury happening, at least just for a couple of snaps, that's scary, especially Mm -hmm. when Aaron Brewer is your go-to guy. It's like no shade to him, but he's not to the one. He's not Roger Tafel. He's not Ben Jones. Um, I miss Dennis Kelly Mm -hmm. (laughs) so, so much. When we let him go, that was like – out of everybody, that one almost felt like Drill Casey for me. It was just like, oh, because he had a great personality. The city loves him, and he produces. Yeah. So and he's doing well at his new team. So um, I don't know. And your thoughts on Isaiah? I think it's interesting. Um, I wasn't happy when we drafted him because if you went and listened to um, different front offices talk about their interviews and why or why not they didn't choose certain players, because he was really good at Georgia and he's huge. So you're thinking, okay, this is somebody who's going to get drafted high because offensive linemen always do um, when they are when they have those measurables and those tangibles. But um, his intangibles were questionable. For and sure. like 28 or 29 teams said they weren't going to take him mm-hmm. because of that. So mm-hmm. I, I look at John Robinson and go, why did you take him if you know that his mental health wasn't all the way there? Or why didn't you guys give him resources? And we don't know what they did or didn't do, but it's like, if you're going to take that risk, you got to be ready to support that player through the transition of being a college athlete to a professional athlete because it's very different. Right. No, no doubt. And I think for for John Robinson that night and picking uh, at 28, uh, 2020 draft, of I know they wanted to trade back. I think everybody was screaming trade back. Um, right. Obviously, I don't know if it was a rush decision, but at the same time, if you're doing that much homework on a guy – there were other issues in other spots. There's still like Bud Dupree and even Harold Landry. Not that they're a Javon curse, but you could still address pass rush because Rashad Rashad Weaver's still not obviously breaking his leg last week. Is right. There's a huge hole there now. Like who is that third guy uh, in that rotation? But but no, I, I think overall from yeah, it is a very rock and a hard place situation with the offensive line because. If you look over the last three years, Keith Carter and, and Shane Bowen and all these guys' names keep coming up as far as these roller coaster type productions of super good right. highs. And it's a and it's a hard spot to be in because your running back is 157 yards on the ground. He's doing his job. Mm-hmm. So that's like a check in Keith Carter's box. Well, you know, what can right. you complain about? But your quarterback has some of the, you know, probably the highest sack rate, uh, sack amount right now. Yeah. So it's a, but the thing too, it's, it's a weird dynamic to consider between, you know, somebody said today, I heard, um, is Rabel not upset with Robinson, but is he frustrated with the fact that the talent that he's drafting him and bringing in through free agency is not the pick of the litter. 
And this yeah. is one of those things that as you get better and you pick lower in the draft, this is that that you got to be kind of squeaky clean or, or I guess a little bit uh, flexible yeah. um, with what you're choosing and how you're choosing because John Robinson has kind of had more of a reputation of being a good late drafter than an early mm -hmm. drafter for sure. But but it also makes you scratch your head because we've seen the clownies come in. And now Janoris Jenkins and obviously Joseph uh, Jonathan Joseph coming in. It's like these Band-Aids are not going to stop the gushing wound from this gunshot right. wound, you know? Right. So it's, it's a hard spot to be in. It is. And it like you said, it's hard when you start getting good. So you draft later. Um it's almost like if you're in the first 10, you know, there's a right answer. You know what I mean? Yeah, like there's yeah. a right answer on who to draft. Once you get past that, there's not really a right answer. It's, you know, how do we address our needs as a team and um, who's the best person for that? And it is hard with, I mean, I don't envy that job at all. I would never want to be a GM because there is so, so much pressure to make the right moves at the right time and keep your team afloat. I can't imagine that pressure. And I think, I'm more happy with John Robinson than I am unhappy with him because I think, you know, Jeff Simmons was a great risk to take in my mm -hmm. opinion. I think, I think everybody feels that way now, <laughs> yeah, for but sure. um, you know, Christian Fulton, he's panned out really well so far. I've been impressed by him yesterday was okay, but you know, still very happy with him. Still very happy with the numbers he's putting up this year. Um, there's a lot of like, I I'm personally happy with Bud Dupree right now because again, we knew he was going to be on a managed workload and so far, he's done kind of what I expected him to do. Now, Danico Autry, ecstatic with. Absolutely. Very, very excited to see what he does. So it's like it's really hit or miss. And that's frustrating because how do you evaluate that? But that's um, that's the hard part as a fan to say, what are we going to get with guys that John Robinson's picking, whether it's free right. agency or draft? Because, you know, I, I, I kind of got wrecked over the coals week before last about looking at the first two rounds. And everyone that John Robinson's brought in with the Dory, Corey, Jack Conklin, everyone leaves. And obviously free agency mm -hmm. is one of those things. John Robinson, Mike Keith has said several times, he's never going to overpay for a guy, which I, I appreciate. Right. I appreciate that. But this is a it's a weird spot to be in because the big debate a couple of years back is do you pay Derrick Henry the type of money that these top five running backs are going to be getting? Right. And also you bring in Julio Jones, who's on the docket this year for 15 million. And it's like, we need, and it, well, obviously this is four games in now, but we need those types of games between he and AJ Brown. And we were all thinking, and I think we got to kind of check out the forest from the trees kind of perspective of this mm -hmm. is one week, the rare occasion where AJ and Julio are both out. Obviously, Ferkser right. is one of those guys that we were all saying, oh, if Julio's outside and AJ's opposite and Henry in the backfield, he'll, he'll be that Jack Doyle guy just to, you know, death by a thousand cuts type of thing. Um, so all that to say, I'm right on that line with John Robinson right now as far as mm -hmm. do I trust I, – I said yesterday on record, like I do not trust John Robinson anymore. If I'm flipping a coin and he's picking a guy for from free agency or the draft, I don't know what we're going to get, you right. know. And like you said, I mean – those top five picks that are most likely going to be locked because we can predict how it's all going to go based on positional need. But from there, I don't know. And I, I, I don't envy his job. I don't want to, you know, I know him and him and Vrabel have a pretty good, uh, you know, rapport and everything, mm -hmm. but we got to call a spade a spade at the same time. And just saying, yes. John, <laughs> I get Vrabel gets so much shade for some of his decisions, which I think some of that is warranted. 
At sure. the same time, whenever you're being you're being given talent that's not ready or you know physically unable to perform, kind of thing. And even Bud Dupree, we talked about Bud Dupree a couple of days back. Like he coming off of an ACL, I don't think people realize just because technology's updating, ACLs used to be career-ending injuries. And for right. Lawan and for Bud Dupree, we gotta we gotta turn the expectations down as far as. Well, Lawan's making X amount and Bud's making X amount. It's like your body doesn't give a shit what your your bottom right. dollar is, right? I mean, so all that and to say, I, I think they need to, and obviously Rashad Weaver being out now, it puts him in a harder spot to right. ease Bud Dupree back into the point where he can really go full right. throttle. Yeah, that all makes me nervous too. Yeah. I hated to see Rashad go down because I actually really liked the looks we were getting from him too. Um, I'm excited to see what he looks like when he comes back. And something that people forget about a lot is the psychological impact of an injury like an ACL or an Achilles or anything like that. Like you get to where you don't trust your body. I have never, I tore my quad. Um, mm -hmm. just playing soccer, like, you know, probably a little too old to be trying to play soccer the way <laughs> I was, but I tore my quad and they said that my MCL, ACL and LCL were all stretched as far as they could go without snapping. And when I tell you it took me months to mentally be able to step on a soccer field again, and all I did was mess up a muscle. I didn't even hit those ligaments. So mm -hmm. um, I can't imagine the stress that they go through. And I, I do probably – I'm a little bit more empathetic towards players than a lot of fans are, but it's it's their job. It's their livelihood. It's also their passion and, like, their first love, you know, like all that stuff. It's, it's a lot. And when that gets taken away from you and then you're expected to come back and produce immediately, it's a ton of pressure. So I don't – Again, I don't envy John Robinson's job. I don't envy, you know, being in the position where, you know, my body and the production of my body is what, you know, is my worth, you know, to millions of fans or we're probably hundreds of thousands of fans yeah. uh, if we're being real. But um, it, it's it's tough. And I think, you know, especially yesterday and today scrolling through Twitter, I'm angry, too. But you also got to be mindful of all, of all those things, in my opinion. Because they are people, but at the same time, I mean, they they know what the gig is when they sign up. So yeah, um, it's a, it's a hard balance to strike as a fan, and it's like be respectful but also be angry. <laughs> no doubt, and I think so. Lawan, I kind of have a little bit of a rant, and I'll I'll try and keep it short. I know we're not going to do no, a lot about it. the offensive line, but. So when Lawan came into the league, obviously his assault issue out of Michigan with an Ohio State fan coming out as that as that big boy on campus as a, as one person called him today which i think is spot on he's got he's got the moxie he's got the confidence a lot of people don't like that which i think is why so many people are so quick to throw shade at him now one thing that legitimately bugged me and i have a i have a lawan jersey so i am like I'm, i don't call him dad i'm not that kind of guy i like lawan for the dude he is obviously he's he's a talented guy with busting with the boys family man you know he's come a long way since he was drafted with the titans now i know he and buck rising have a little bit of a back and forth he's been on busting with the boys but austin huff after the game yesterday posted a video of lawan walking off the field at home against the colts and all these people out here were booing me last week listen to him now and that's the kind of thing and it's it's kind of twofold so i saw that after the game and i'm like you're you're still not back, bro. Like you had week one that was horrible. Week two, you know, and it's this kind of thing now. Yeah. And I'm I'm at the point where I saw a pregame video from Buck Rising on his Instagram story where Lawan flipped him the bird, 
And yeah. I get like, I get you're in that mode. Like you're in that, you know, you got your beats in or whatever. You're getting your mind right. Like, but the cockiness and the arrogance, like on top of everything that you just said, physical injuries have mental issues as well. You know, you have to reco yeah. re recover from those as well. I tore my meniscus when I was playing rugby in college. My mm -hmm. AC joint is still not there. I can't lift the way I want to just because mentally I don't trust my body to be there to support the weight whenever if I'm going heavy. Right. And then you think about a 325-pound defensive lineman that you have to be ready for a bull rush to set your feet and be able to, you know, stand your ground and protect right. the quarterback. I I I want Lawan to be the Lawan that we know. I want everybody, I think the Bussin' with the Boys podcast stuff is so over like exhaustingly annoying like it's one of those things it takes him an hour and a half out of his seven day week you know to yeah. sit there and just bullshit with just talk it's, yeah. it, it's nothing to me it's easy low-hanging fruit but I, I say all that stuff because I'm very quick to be critical because the guy is the big man on campus and saying right I've done so much for the city and they boot me it's like and like Keith, Keith Bullock came out saying like if you play like crap, you that's what that's what happens. You deserve that. Think yeah. about the New York Jets, how hard the Philadelphia Eagles, their fans, their media. I'm like, we, we are in a baby pool down here in our small market yeah. with our fans. I mean, but the thing is, when you carry yourself that way, it is easy to throw it at you. And if you mentally yeah. can't take it and you want to get emotional and Take a breather for a little bit. Hit the inhaler. Come back out and let's actually perform well. That you can back up the big boy, big boy talk. You know, so. right? And I'm I'm here cheering for him. I hope he can get his mind right and get back to being the Luan that we all know. Because um, he, I don't have a Luan jersey. I'll be real. I'm always um, always really quick to take D lineman jerseys, but I don't really get offensive lineman jerseys. You picked um, one. I I played tackle in high school and Luan. Okay. Representing, you know, but yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I, I have a lot of love for him and I, I love listening to them bullshit on their podcast and I, I love all that. I think it really adds to the personality and the character that he is. But again, if you're going to be that character, I'm fine with it. Don't get in your feelings when people are critical of you because mm -hmm. you do have that attitude, but yeah. moving on, cause that's a lot of time on the offensive line, but that was the biggest glaring issue yesterday. In my Absolutely. opinion, Absolutely. um, I, I think that the offensive line owes Ryan Tannehill and Derek Henry an apology um yesterday was brutal for those guys ryan Tannehill has been sacked 17 times in four weeks that's ridiculous mm -hmm. that's absolutely ridiculous it's unacceptable actually mm -hmm. and um if we see another week of that somebody's job has got to go in my opinion because yeah. you can't yeah. i we hopped in spaces after week one you know everybody's overreacting we had like 70 people in my space and everybody wanted to talk everybody wanted to talk shit and i get it week one i'm gonna go you know we give them some grace you know, it's, it's week one. After su Sunday, it'll be week five. Yeah. It's a little different. Right. Adjustments have to be made. So I don't know what that looks like. Um, that's something we can dive into later because I'm sure you probably have thoughts on that too. But uh, yeah. what are your thoughts just real quick on the secondary? Um, I have a lot. And a lot of it has schematic issues. A lot of it is personnel issues. Um, I, it's just, ah, it's really overwhelming. Yeah, so, the thing, the thing for me, like, Everywhere on this roster, if your first line goes down, it is – it's not hit the red button, alert, you know, danger, Will Robinson kind of thing. But we're not far from that because right. Kevin Byard has not been Kevin Byard that we know and picking people off. 
I mean, he had his week or week two uh, interception against Seattle, mm-hmm. but I, I don't like the guys that are coming out and saying the canned answers and media, you know, pressers post game. Well, we got to be better and execute, and this is on me. I'm the coach, or hey, it's not good enough. And Kevin Byard typically. Either the the offensive scheme is to avoid him since he has that that reputation of being able to pick the ball off and be a ball hawk, sure. and he's constantly chasing receivers down the sideline because the guys are blowing their coverages. Right. So Christian Fulton, at this rate that he's going, he's going to have a statue outside of Nissan Stadium one day right. because he. <laughs> I, I said it on Sunday. He is the best cornerback this team has had since Samari Roll. Hands I down, agree. he's one of those guys. Let him do his thing. I don't know why they moved him inside after um, mm-hmm. I forget who who went down that he had to make the move. And and uh, F words pods put something up today of just the the significant difference as far as targets or or things allowed when Christian uh, was moved inside from being outside. He right. was all over DK Metcalf. Obviously, um, Corey Davis having that long chunk play of that touchdown. I forget. I think Anthony is it Midget that's still the defensive backs coach because Kerry Coombs left. He so. came in. I don't know what they need to do, and that's the thing—the struggle between the the personnel and the coaching staff. Because I'm ready for Caleb Farley. Just put him out there. Let the baptism by fire happen. Let's see where he's really at. But yeah, Janoris Jenkins is not doing it. So I was I was on the bus of saying. Richard Sherman, let's let's see what he's got. Mm-hmm. We got eleven eleven million dollars and some change. Let's see what we can make happen there. Obviously, right. Tom the Tom Brady discount does make up a lot of that too. So that's that's a hard <laughs> hard argument. But yeah, what yeah. are your thoughts on the secondary as far as just overall? Because it's becoming a problem with the 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 big chunk plays. Yeah, and I think what's so frustrating as a fan, as somebody, okay background i don't know if you i'm sure we've talked about this i worked as a defensive quality control coach so i worked directly under the dc at my school and um i really had a hand in everything it was mostly d-line stuff but i know i know a little bit about secondary just a little bit um and what's so frustrating as somebody that has that that background is like i have watched our team clear out all of our pieces because last year was unacceptable so john robinson said bet it's unacceptable we're fixing it but the, like you said, it's a bandaid. It's a bandaid on a, on a bullet wound and it's not doing anything. Um, I think we were talking about this in spaces yesterday. Um, having veteran leadership is priceless. Um, it's very, very important. And a lot of the guys, Christian Fulton included, has talked about how Janoris has really coached him up and helped him a lot in practice. I think that is super, super valuable. And it's hard to say, oh, he's completely a bust because he is building younger guys up and where his athleticism might not be where it was before, um, he is adding value in practice. He is adding value in those meeting rooms. But how much do you pay for that? And that's where it gets hard. It's like we can't keep paying for that when we – like if you look at our D line, we kind of did the same thing with Bud Dupree. Now I think he's producing better than Janoris is, but you know, like we let Jarrell Casey go for next to nothing. There's your veteran leadership that we lost. Wesley Woodyard, same thing. We let him go and go home. He didn't even go anywhere. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we let so many veterans go. And ever since we did that, our defense has suffered in one way or another. And then we try to bring in like an outside veteran, which they're making differences to an extent, but it really messed with the chemistry. And then you pair that with the fact that we used to have Dean Pease. Now we do not. 
we brought in Coach Schwartz, who I was super excited about because I don't know if you've ever listened to our podcast, but um, Albert and I talk about him a lot because that was Albert's DC. And, yeah, you know, yeah. he worked really, really well with him. And I think the way that Jeffrey Simmons and Albert played were very similar. So you you think, okay, there, there's a parallel. Maybe they can build off of that. And I think the front seven have looked better. But that secondary looks broken. Yeah, it's not. They're not connected. It's kind of like the offensive line. It's there's communication issues. They look confused sometimes. They are giving 15 yard cushions, like Coach Rabel said today in a presser that Janoris gave a 15 yard cushion on a play. Which I saw that and I was like, nope, I, yeah. nope. I don't want to. I don't even want to believe it. But um, I did think his comment was interesting. That you know they're going to coach the players to play tighter coverage, which is the first time he's ever addressed that. And we were having this issue last year where they were given like eight to 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. So I think it's, I don't know if you saw my comment in our, in our group chat, but I was like, no offense, but you shouldn't have to tell a grown man that gets paid millions of dollars that he can't give a 10 yard cushion. Yeah. Especially like, that guy that you're bringing in to coach up other players that should be able to identify that and say, guys, right. Let's move up. Bring it up. That's why you brought yeah. him in. So yeah. I thought all that was interesting. I, I thought it was interesting. That was coach Rabel's comment today. Um, out of everything, <laughs> I was like, Ooh, yeah. not, mm, not cute. That, that didn't work out well for you. Um, I'm very, very critical of things on the defensive side of the ball, because I know that we have the pieces to be talented. Um, you can't waste Jeff. You can't waste Do We have Danico now. He looks great. Um, Jayon to me is still one of the best coverage linebackers in the NFL. Now this season, he has struggled a little bit, but they also have Rashawn Evans starting over him. And I don't understand that either. So I just have a lot of thoughts on defense beside the ball. Clearly. See, Rashawn, yeah, Rashawn Evans to me, it's obviously that contract year. I'm, I'm sure they're going to give him every opportunity to go out there and try and, and make or break it for himself. But David Long's already outplaying him, in my opinion, as far as just Absolutely. his impact. Last week, I mean, he was laying the wood, kind of bringing energy. And that's even what Vrabel's talked about as far as the production and the energy that increases when you don't have those plays and you're constantly being, you know, third down conversions or even these big chunk plays. It's like, I, I get why Janoris Jenkins is 15 yards off the ball because he doesn't want to get blown over and, and just get roasted right. by somebody. And it's, that's the part, part for me. And I understand what you're saying as far as them bringing in this veteran leadership stuff, but they have to allow the coaching staff to coach these players versus right. bringing in guys and taking up, especially when you're, them. To coach them, yeah, because you've got your your big money left tackle, left guard taking big money, running back, quarterback. Like we're at the point now, bringing in Julio as well. That's why guys like Janu, who gosh, I miss Janu so freaking yeah. much. But that's why you have to have these guys balk, and I, and I get it. Like the window is now, but again, like whenever you have this roster, that there's still like right now, I don't believe this team is a Super Bowl team. And I'll just put that out there for the sake of, yeah, we're probably going to win the division. You make a third or fourth seed or whatever it's going to look like. And then what are we? And that's, I mean, I know we're right. going to talk about coaching staff and things later, but it's one of those things like some type of change. And I think this is the week because it's Jags. It's Jags week. It's, it's King Henry, like, you know, all that stuff. Right. But the Bills, the Bills are probably the best team in the AFC, in my opinion, right now. Just yeah. defensively putting up numbers. Josh Allen continues to become probably one of the faces in the NFL as far as quarterbacks. When you think of the, yep. I mean, the historic Buffalo Bills, they've got it going on, but 
my thing right now is is they got a lot of problems, and I don't know how much they can do to really. I mean, we Mitchell Schwartz, Russell Okung's out there. To, if you want to address the right tackle spot, like, yeah, what else can you do um, with the limited funds that you have as far as payroll right now to, to actually address an issue and see a change? Because you know, at some point down the line, I forget how far away we are from like this gridiron of a part of the schedule that we've got where we got the Rams. I mean, some really good teams that we're going to have to go up against. And I'm not necessarily confident what this team is today. Right. I feel the same way. And there's a lot that needs to be addressed. And I think a lot of it is on the coaching side. So we'll get to that last because I want all of you to listen to the very end of the episode. (laughs) But um, no, I kind of feel the same way. Going into this season, I was really confident um, because I... I don't know if you remember, and I, I don't know if you've ever lived in Nashville, but when um, Steve McNair and Eddie George, Javon Curtis, Albert Hainsworth, Keith Bullock, all those guys were here, um, the city felt different. And oh, I don't know yeah. how to explain it, but just the confidence of the city behind this team was just different. And I started feeling that again, and I think that's why I was so excited about this season because we haven't experienced that in 15 years, mm-hmm. uh, 20 years, really. <laughs> so um, it's it's disheartening, but I also don't think it's too late. They just have to make adjustments. And right now they have not, the front office has not shown me, the coaching staff has not shown me that they are willing to make adjustments. Um, And that's where it gets frustrating. But real quick, I'm going to jump into some positives because there were some. And first shout out goes to the king himself, Derek Henry. Like I, again, he, he puts the whole team on his back all the time. And I know it's got to be exhausting. I know somebody said they were, um, somebody commented on something I tweeted about his numbers. They're like, oh, I'm concerned because he looked frustrated yesterday when Vrabel wants to go talk to him. Well, shit, wouldn't you be frustrated too? Like, I can't imagine anything more frustrating than putting up 157 rushing yards and then your team's still not producing. Mm-hmm. And historically, when he puts up over 150, we have a very, very good record. I think it's like 17 and 2 now Mm -hmm. like that's stupid um but that just shows you his impact and to revisit the conversation of who's the best running back in the league a lot of people want to say you know the most well-rounded one is cmc that man can't stay healthy to save his life Mm -hmm. first of all so he's not available how great can you be if you're not available i mean i'm sorry i would say that if i wasn't a titans fan um derrick henry is available he is a monster people try to discount the fact that they try to discount his accomplishments because he's big but the fact that he can move as quickly as he does at his size is amazing to watch. Absolutely. So we're watching a Hall of Fame career build right in front of us, and that's exciting. It's exciting to see it happen in your city and in your team. Um, but I hope that we can make adjustments to build around him mm-hmm. so we can take advantage of the talent that he is. But the fact that – I don't know if you saw it today. Uh, NFL and CBS tweeted out the top rushing uh, leaders, and it was Derrick Henry at 510 <laughs> yards. Then Derrick Henry after contact at 365. And then it was Nick Chubb at 362. That is insane. So we're, I mean, we're watching a goat in the making and uh, it's, it's exciting to see. Yeah. I'm impressed with him. I I get his frustration, especially coming off the field. So many people have talked about third and shorts and it's like, it's, it's just putting a, a banner in the backfield of saying, Hey, this guy McNichols, he's not here to run the ball. He's here to catch the ball. Crowd, you know, crowd the line or back up or whatever you want to do to make your adjustments to cover us properly. Um, at the same time, like I think they could do a better job, and this has been Todd Downing's thing since week one is is the run, run, pass, play action kind of thing. Like 
the predictability. I mean, I know Arthur Smith was one of those guys that he could either continue doing something that that wasn't working at the beginning of the game, and as you wear the defense down, it opens things up. But he was also really good at adjusting on the fly. And even from yes. the first half team to the second half team, which we saw in Seattle, and that was one of those things that's like, yeah, absolutely, let's let's go. But for, for yesterday, I mean, the first half, could it, it sucked. It was one of those things, like it was not what we anticipated. It was a tight game. But I want to get back to that, that, that feeling uh, of knowing, hey, this is the second half team. Coaching staff's going to make the proper adjustments. And they came out, and Zach Wilson continued to do his thing. So not to go negative there, but with, but with Henry, I think mixing it up, if he's off the off the field on a second down to make sure that he can be there on a third down or third and short. Absolutely. Or or mixing it up and how you line him up, you know. Yeah. It's, we've talked about uh, potentially, you know, the injury, injury guys who are going to be coming back. I think we might get to that in a little bit. But Darrington Evans, like – yeah. I'd love to see him reemerge and be that guy again. What second round pick or no? I, f- I forget exactly where he was taken, but but coming in to be that running back number two behind Henry to be that pass yeah. catcher. And McNichols leading in rushing, uh, re- receiving yesterday, uh, twelve targets, what eight eight receptions? Like, bravo, dude! Not upset. Yeah, you were, not upset. You were, I think he was coming in this season to be a a, a practice squad guy. And he's coming in and he's making yeah. the most. He's always been that guy coming in to make the most right. of his snaps, but. A um, couple other positives for me. I wasn't blown away by Josh Reynolds, but to see him for the first time, he is kind of that Tajay Sharp 2.0. I think he's a little bit better than Tajay Sharp. Yeah. He's not the fastest guy. Um, you know, him having nine nine targets and six receptions, 59 yards, like, I'll take that. If Julio and AJ are back and he's that third guy, I think we're sitting pretty as far as the receiving yeah. group. Um, I agree. Obviously asking too much of a lot of guys. Um, outside of that, I, I did notice as far as like overall team stats from yesterday, if you look at some of these categories, as far as first downs, comparatively 30 for the Titans, 16 for the Jets, like we're doing something right there. And even just wearing a defense down, like they are doing things yeah. right. Uh, 430 yards, no turnovers. And they had 40 minutes of total possession compared to the Jets 29. Like, yes. We, we're, we're doing something right there, but we're just not making those big plays, obviously because of sack issues, obviously because of drops. Like, And I get it. Like, I'm I'm speaking of John, who makes me go to the tight end spot. Ferkser, <laughs> what, what, what are you doing? You know, I, I know you're coming back from injury, so it's going to be a slow thing. But Michael Pruitt, as far as I'm concerned, is number one tight end on, on this team. Right I agree. Now. I agree. Um, I like – I like him a lot. Um, I actually, fun fact, I they, there's no way either one of them would know this, but I saw Anthony Frickser and Michael Pruitt at my pool Ooh. on 4th of July last year. They were super nice. Um, but I was really glad when we brought Michael back to be a practice squad guy because I love, he, he's got that, uh, that big boy on campus feel too, but he's not over the top with it because in that Seattle game, he was frustrating the hell out of them and created so many penalties just by talking shit. And like, you need that sometimes. So I like Michael a lot. I I agree. I think he is tied in one right now. And I I think that's good competition for Anthony Ferkser. I think Mm -hmm. we see a really good duo there because they're going to continue to compete with each other. And I like, um, what is the the third one's name? I cannot remember. Tyler Taylor. Oh, Hudson. Hudson, yes. Tom, I like Hudson. him too. 
Yeah. Tommy Hudson, yes. I think I think he was injured yesterday, but he was when he yeah. was on the field, he was he does a good job. That catch where he was behind his body, that right. one-handed kind of bobbed it to himself. I was I was very happy yeah. with that. Yeah, so I love the one thing that I will always applaud the Titans for is they do you can tell they play hard and they play really hard for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have guys that come in, so you might not know their name. That's embarrassing. I did not know that man's first name. Mm-hmm. Um, but we still remember those plays and remember the impact they make because like Chester Rogers, that's not somebody I expected to come in and make the impact he has this season. Um, so I think it's, it sucks because it's not the elite depth that you want, but our depth players definitely come in with a lot of heart. And um, I think you see that mostly with Chester Rogers and Jeremy McNichols, especially. Mm-hmm. And I think Brian Borders has been fairly solid too. And he's a depth piece as well on the other side of the ball. Um, I do want to talk briefly about the man, the myth, the legend, Harold Landry. He has been, he was impressive yesterday. Yeah. He was fun. Um, that, that is who I've wanted to see for so long because you can see the talent there. You see the drive there and him next to Jeff. I, I was waiting for that to take off the way it did. And he looked good yesterday. So I'm excited yeah. to see him the next few weeks. Um, one thing that I always like to clarify, cause I don't know, like my listeners, I don't know, what their knowledge of what the trenches and the different pieces in the trenches, their roles are. Um, if you are measuring Jeffrey Simmons or Tier Tart or any of our tackles by how many sacks they have, you're, you're like discrediting those guys a lot because their entire job is to collapse the pocket and force a quarterback out. Now a mobile quarterback and a young quarterback, they can get out, but that's why you have Harold Landry, but Dupree, Danico, mm-hmm. Autry, those guys coming off the edge to make, make those plays. But I think a lot of people forget that a tackle's job is not to get sacks. Mm-hmm. That's not their first job. Right. You know, if they get back there and get one, cool. Yeah. And I think if we had, we'll talk about it in a minute, but if we switch to more of a 4-3 approach, I think you see those guys make even more of an impact, especially Jeff. But I can see Tierra doing really well there too. Um, but Danico made my favorite play of the day yesterday. Yep. That good wrap, that good wrap up. Was, oh, if you were coaching football, and you wanted to show your guys the perfect tackle, I'd be showing that film. Yeah. That was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And I, his, I his angle, that. his angle on the play where I think Zach Wilson was running out, and it was I think it was later in the game, but his yeah. angle, his pursuit, and then obviously being able to break down in an open field tackle like that, that's not easy to do, especially for a guy his size. Yeah, that his size and his speed. I mean, he's not super he's not slow, but he's mm-hmm. not super fast. That was impressive. Mm-hmm. So and it was an overtime. And that was the play that took them to a field goal and gave us an opportunity to go and win the game ourselves. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. we didn't, you know, execute on that. But no, I was I was really happy with that. Give me just one moment. But what what other thoughts do you have in general about yesterday? I think one thing we can talk about when we get to coaching is is special teams. I think continues to be um, just a head scratcher because I'm at the point now where. Um, you know, obviously punting for 12 yards is not going to be sufficient. Uh, I feel like oh I could have gone out no. there yesterday and, and given you at least 30 yards if I was – and I, I get nerves. I mean, I get these guys are coming off couches and things like that. I don't know what what Fickens is up to, where he's at with his recovery process. I think Fat Randy is the man on campus right now just for the sake of – I mean, that last minute it, – it, it's. It, I hate seeing guys like Justin Tucker go set records with a 66-yard field goal and then we can't hit a 49er. It, it's frustrating. Right. But at the same time, he should not be in the position with the offense, 
with the talent that we actually have. We should be able, especially those first three drives that you get to the red zone and you can't make it happen. That's the issue at hand for me. Yeah. Um, so, but again, like when we're nine kickers into this thing in the last, I think in Vrabel's tenure now, I, you, you got to start wondering about Ackerman. Obviously, I, I saw uh, the Falcons sign Dustin Colquitt today, who is a yeah. Tennessee, Tennessee, you know, ball for life, like veteran guy. I, I'm sure he's not the most agile guy anymore, but it's one of those things like, I can't even name the guy that was kicking yesterday. And then on top of that, I do think the number eight is cursed for this team right now. Yeah. Just because we, 12 yards is one of those things where it's like the ghost of Mariota's pass is giggling somewhere just waiting yeah. for it to happen. That was so I, – I felt for him because I, you could see it in his face. He knew the second he dropped that ball into his foot that he fucked up. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I felt bad for him. Um, but at the same time – if you're going to be next man up, you got to be ready for it. And yeah. um, he, he was not in that moment, mm-hmm. um, which was unfortunate. But um, special teams definitely – it's, again, one of those things. It's like we can never get all three pieces going at the same time, but special teams always seems to be, you know, our, our sore spot, and mm-hmm. especially with the kicking situation. So I wish I wish we wouldn't have rushed Ryan Suckup when we did. Oh, and I wish we would have kept him because look at – you know what he's doing now he won a super bowl so i'm not saying that having ryan circle would have made us win a super bowl but we probably wouldn't mean some of the positions we've been in but i agree with what you said we shouldn't have even been in a situation where we're blaming a kicker because we should have been scoring on those red zone opportunities but that is another just another tally in the column for rushing these players back from injury we've talked about lawang i know jeff simmons that vrabel vrabel is really protective of the guys which i do appreciate and saying yeah. hey we're not gonna force this but at the same time, it's that ripple effect from suck up and his process and coming back. And the, I mean, I'm not even sure if I want to name the guys of, of the, of the uh, Greg Josephs and the, and the Cairo Santos, right. like, like how do you go through that many guys? But like you said, if they had taken the time and maybe we're doing it right now with Sam Fickens of slowly letting him even come back into it, but right. there has to be a guy that can produce a little bit better than a 12 yard punt. So, yeah, I, I hope we've learned. And on Jeff, I did watch, I think it was on his busting with the boys interview. They asked him if um, the coaching staff forced him to come back. And he was like, no, I right. was begging to come back. Yeah. So I'm glad that that wasn't the case with him because I probably would have killed somebody no doubt. if they rushed that man back and got him hurt because he is, I always say he's like, if you took the best parts of Albert Hainsworth and Javon Kurz, that's what he is. Mm-hmm. You just combine them and put them in one person. But I want to move on to a few coaching things, and then we're going to wrap it up and let everybody go. But um, let's start with, do you feel like anybody should be fired yet? Do I think they're going to fire somebody right now? No, I, I really don't. No. I think they're going to be the the stubborn you know, kind of cocky John Robinson and Vrabel. What they've kind of personified was pressers and things like that. Um, if we were to talk about somebody, I'm, I actually was uh, talking to Buckethead today on Twitter, just asking if if anybody was to go, who would it be? And I think he's spot on. He said, it's got to be Shane Bowen. Yeah. Um, I, look, the D, and here's the weird thing about the Jets. They've had so many injuries to guys, and I've actually got it pulled up here. Obviously, Elijah Moore, LaMichael Piron, Jeff Smith, uh, I'm trying to think of their left tackle, Becton, big old boy that came out of what, Louisville. Yep. Um, several, uh, Gerard, uh, Gerard Davis, linebacker, which he was with the um, the Lions for years. Like, 
pretty substantial impact players that they're missing, and they were still able, and they were missing uh, Marcus May, their, their safety. Mm. My thing is, is with a team that's been riddled like that with injuries, and we're still having, and I get it, like these seem like fundamental things for the secondary, obviously the linebacking group. Rashawn Evans, I, I think he's as good as, as uh, Harold Landry is playing. I think we're still just getting the same old Rashawn that we know. But Shane Bowen, I don't know. People always say it's a buddy-buddy thing with him and Vrabel. If we were to make a move right now, and and I think this is something that everybody has looked at and said, Jim Schwartz, with the experience that he has, or Jim has, like, why is is Brown or Bowen, excuse me, getting the go? And who knows how much these guys are really able to speak into it, um, Mm -hmm. especially with the actual play calling process. And you have to wonder why Vrabel watches some of these things happen. The 15, 15 yards off the ball. I feel like Dean Pease was the guy saying, why are we doing this? Right. And and addressing it. Because you got you got the the, the you know the earpieces and the helmets for the linebackers and saying, address this problem now. Right. But it's been a reoccurring thing. So Bowen is the guy, in my opinion, if anybody was to go. I know Todd Downing, it's frustrating. I think he's trying to do a little too much uh, – from what he's seen Arthur Smith do to play it safe. I think right. the screens, I think the slants, I think some of these shorter yard plays just to get the defensive lineman running back and forth and then let Henry be Henry, you know? Yeah. Some things just don't make sense to me sometimes uh, of why they're doing so much with the play calling. But if anybody, it would be Bowen for me. But what about you? Uh, I agree. I was calling for his job last year um, because – Again, that's where my expertise lies. Not, I don't even want to say expertise because if you threw me in a coaching staff right now, I would be so behind because I haven't done it in four years. But just the stuff that I know, the thing that was just pissing me off all season last season was you had Clowney and Simmons stunting under each other and you got Simmons going on the outside and Clowney going up the A-gap. That makes no sense to me. Why are we mm-hmm. calling that? Why are we mm-hmm. doing that? Um, especially with two guys that have knee problems. So I think we're just seeing more like, again, I think having coach Schwartz here has been a blessing, at least for our front, because that's what he, in my opinion, was very, very good at. Um, So I think he's probably had more say there than he has in the secondary. And Mm -hmm. we don't know how much say he has right now, but he's there as an advisor. So why not have him promote it up? And I really think when you listen to Dean Pease and when you listen to the conversations that were going on in the off season, you know, he goes and takes the job in Atlanta why didn't he take the job here? Well, it's probably because Shane Bowen was going to be DC and he was going to have to be advisor and he didn't want to. Mm-hmm. And I get it because I'd be frustrated too, especially with the defensive mind he is. So, I mean, I was call- I was like, bring us anybody, bring us Wade Phillips and Wade Phillips is terrible at adjusting to the new game, but I think he would have done a better job than Shane is doing right now. Yeah. We, so- we know that Dean Pease, the last time he called defensive plays when he was here was whenever they were in Baltimore, when they had that yeah. huge road win, went yeah. to Kansas city and, and that went the way that it went. But yeah, it makes you wonder. Cause if I remember correctly, Dean Pease semi-retired, Yep. Left the Titans and Art Smith goes, which I, I, I would say on record, uh, the Falcons are my NFC team right now. And it's it, I, I hate to see the Falcons fans suffer because it's it's rough at times, but I am rooting for them yeah. to do well. But but no, that was a bad taste in my mouth as a fan of saying Hall of Fame coach that Vrabel played under 
But for some reason, we're shifting all the the chips onto Shane Bowen. It just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. And that's one of those things that you're saying with Jim Schwartz and and Coach Washburn, which I know Albert Hainsworth Mm -hmm. can speak to and just sing his praises because he was one of those guys that was able to to make sense of stunts, make sense of some of the scheming and setting edges and things like that, that like you were saying, those defensive tackles aren't there to get sacks. Right. Take up blocks, let your linebackers go and and make it happen. But – but again, like, um, yeah, I, I, it, it, if anyone is going to make it happen, um, it just makes me wonder if Vrabel is going to go down with that ship with Bowen. Because I, I to be honest, well, that's the thing. I, I, I'm a, I love Vrabel. I love his confidence. I love the way that he does. I, I love the fact that he knows the rule book better than these officials. That the, right. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. Y'all can complain about his, you know, some of his boneheaded or, or gambling plays. You know, I, I love Vrabel, but just like it was, uh, I, don't, I don't think Malarkey was on the same level as Vrabel, but he went down with Terry, Terry Rubisky. Yeah, is Bowen going to be his Rubisky? But the window is so tight right now, and as yeah. as this team's issues become more and more, you know, prevalent, that's where I'm concerned. This window is getting smaller and smaller. Yeah, and the thing that I will say is as you know, we have these conversations on podcasts, in Twitter spaces, on Twitter, all of the fans can identify what the issues are, and none of us are paid to do it. Mm-hmm. So you know that all these guys that are paid to identify these issues and fix them, they see them, but it's it makes you wonder why they're not making the adjustments. I would be heartbroken to see Mike Rabel go down because of Shane Bowen. I have no emotional attachment to that man, but Mike Rabel – like. Uh, in regards to Shane Bowen, Mike mm-hmm. Rabel, I think, brings so much. Like, I, I hate this word, but he's got moxie. You know, mm-hmm. like, that's an old word, but that's what he's got, and it's fun, and I, I love him as a coach. He's somebody I would love to work with, somebody I would love to play for. Um, and you can tell that the guys love him, too. So you don't want to see him go. I think he he embodies the Titans culture and the history that we have so well, too. So I, I would be heartbroken to see him go because I think – a lot of what we've built that's been so special is because of him. Yeah. Um, and it, it would suck because I don't think Shane Bowen is terrible at all the things he does, but he definitely doesn't need to be play calling. Yeah. And that, well, Vrabel, you know, LaFleur. Neither does Vrabel. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Vrabel, you know, I think he needs to be the head coach and not have that responsibility, but Jim Schwartz yep. just makes so much sense or the Hazlitt, whoever that could be with the experience. Yeah. But one guy I did want to circle back around to, and I think the offensive line, Keith Carter, like how many times have we had that conversation about Keith Carter where it's right. like, what are we doing? Because I know McNichols is filling in as far as receiving things and some of the pass protection, it's been solely on him that he's releasing the wrong way or he's not looking at, you know, Questenberry has been, you know, that, that tweet I had yesterday where both tackles were coming off of a slip and slot. I think he missed his, his protection and overextended for Questenberry. Um, But yeah, Keith Carter is one of those guys. If a change was to be made, I think he would probably be as far as, you know, positional coaches, We've had so many, like it goes back years now. Like Keith Carter, it like it's a developmental thing. Um, there's a reason that they drafted a guy like Dylan Radens where they did, and is Keith Carter just not helping the guy? Like I know, right? Lawan's been vocal about their kind of, you know, alpha mentality, headbutting. But I just wanted to mention him too because I think he's a guy that is 
I think his seat gets warmer. I think it. I think it stays at a nice uh, what one fifty two hundred degrees if, if we're talking probably about hot so. seats. <laughs> probably so because it, it. I mean, the offensive line has been an issue in Tennessee for it seems like as tail as old as time. Yeah. So um, it definitely is something that I would like to see addressed as well. But it, again, it comes down to when are they going to address it? Are they going to address it with enough time for it to make a difference? Um, I do. My top preference would be to see. Defense wins championships. I think that still holds true. I think we saw that with the Bucks last year. So if we could get Coach Schwartz in there, play calling instead of Shane Bowen, I think that makes a world of difference um, in the way that defense looks because they're going to be more organized. Because I go back to you know nine, ten year old Anna watching him play or play uh, call the play. Excuse me um, for our defense back then, and they were just they were mm-hmm. impeccable, mm-hmm. you know. So. I would love to see that again because we have the talent for it, no doubt. I think yeah. Jayon is – he has the leadership of Keith Bullock. I think, you know, you see a lot of um, Albert and Javon and Harold and Jeff, and I, I think there's a lot of parallels on that defense back to when we were, you know, top three defense in the league. So, um, in my opinion, there's no excuses. I think Christian Fulton has given you enough reasons to believe in him as well. So, we've got pieces all over the defense that um, they're being wasted, and it's very, mm-hmm. very frustrating. I even think that – I think Kevin Byard might be wasted a little bit too. So um, and maybe if there were adjustments made to the scheme, Kevin Byard could make a little bit more of an impact. No doubt. But um, do you think the last question, then we'll wrap it up. Do you think anybody comes off injuries this week that we didn't see last week? Um, I think Bud Dupree is the last guy you should be pressuring right now. Um, I agree. I think, uh, again, like the mysterious what is actually up with Julio and, and A.J. Brown. I think Darrington Evans. I know Vrabel said he's hopeful that he'll be back and be able to practice Wednesday. And then yep. him saying things like there's a chance that, you know, I, obviously how much of that is, you know, telling Urban Meyer to go blank himself whenever it's like, you don't know what we got. On the, you don't have a clue what's coming on this field this week. Right. Um, but my thing is, is uh, yeah, there's several guys that, you know, Leroy Murchison being put on on IR, like we get really thin on some spots. So we got to start at, at at some of these games. Like I was saying, the schedule is not going to get any easier down the stretch. But no, we need, especially with Saffold and concussion protocol now, it's not looking good. But if we can get an Evans back and either Julio or AJ, and then God, Brett Kern, like <laughs> you just keep peeling yeah. the layers back. It's like. Damn it! What is going on? But what do you? Right. What do you? If, if you could have anybody back, who would you want right now? I need AJ or Julio for sure. Um, I I don't want to rush either one of them back. So I think you probably see Julio first because we don't know what's going on with AJ. I think Julio was. I, I think this move last weekend was maybe a little bit more arrogant than we wanted to be or should have been, and that was a rest for him. It was a bye mm-hmm. week for Julio. Um, so I'd like to see him back and making an impact because he looked good in Seattle and he looked good against Indy. So um, I think he's kind of he's clicking with Ryan Tannehill, and that's good to see. Um, also, for the record, I, I think I've given Ryan Tannehill credit today, and everybody thinks I hate him. Uh, Ryan Tannehill deserves a hug, some flowers, and dinner on the offensive line because <laughs> that man is going through it. Um, and then some. And then some. <laughs> right, right. Um, Brett Kern, I would really like to see him back. But, again, like you say, it's the more you get into it, it's like, okay. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Got to get somebody. Who do you want? Um, probably receiver first. Yeah. So no doubt. There's there's well, deep left and right. There definitely are. Well, do you have any final thoughts for uh, for the Titans beat listeners? Or I'll let you sign off and plug whatever you got going on again, so they can go follow you. 
No, right now I'm optimistic for the Jags game. I'm 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 uh, I'm one of the people on Twitter. It's I give it 20, 24 hours and we're moving on. We complained. Yep. It was the week one type of vibe, and then you come out like you know this team's going to come out hard. It's obviously Jacksonville and the dumpster fire that Urban Meyer is just stoking day by day, especially with his <laughs> nightlife stuff over the weekend. It's it's kind of it's legitimately <laughs> it's wild. It's legitimately sad to see because I feel like he's just imploding. Um, but no, I think uh, as far as anything I've got going on, just kind of enjoying the Twitter streets right now and uh, yeah. maybe popping pop my head in on these podcasts every now and again. We'll see what happens. But no, thank yeah, you very awesome. much for having me on. And if you're listening and you do like my my opinions, find me at Trey Wynn. It's T-R-E-S-W-I-N-N. I'm sure some people know me. Some people hate yep. me. Some people love me. But hey, it's, all, right. it's, all, it's, all, it's all good to be here. I say, and that's, that's how you know you're doing something right. So that's right. That's um, right. thank you guys again for listening. This has been Titans Beat with the State Again Network. Make sure you follow us on socials. We're at SIA Titans Beat on all social media. Jeffrey Simmons follows us on Facebook, so you should too. Um, and then you can find me at Anna Lewis SIA on Twitter. And that's, you know, where I just stay talking shit and hopping in Twitter <laughs> spaces. So um, definitely come check it out. But y'all have a great rest of your evening. We'll get something out to you. Uh, to preview the Jags, but I just had to come in here and have a little therapy session. But I feel better. I hope y'all do too. I do too. I <laughs> Take do too. It. <laughs> Take it easy. Yeah.